Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. Everybody, what's going on? Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. I'm Nubia. I'm Francis, and we are your hosts today. We have a wonderful show, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited. I know. So we have Tina C. Hines with us. Tina, say good morning. Hello. Good evening. Hello, everybody. Glad to be here. Yes. Yeah, so. You know, when Francis and I decided to do this podcast show, I immediately was just like, we have to have Tina on the show. And she's like, who's Tina? And I'm like, this woman that I've met online, right? We haven't physically met, but I feel like we've connected online and I told her a lot about you. So now I want you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, please. Where do I begin, ladies? Where do I begin? Um, So let's start where I am right now. I am a life transformation specialist, um, helping women who are on a journey from hurting to healing to happiness. I am an an intuitive clairvoyant, medium and empath, and a healer. And um, I, my travel journeys, we're going to get into that. We're going to dive deeper into that during our conversation. But um, I am a lover of travel, especially any place that's near beautiful tropical water. And um, my background is in the administrative field in corporate America. I have over 31 years, actually, of working in corporate America. And um, my journey has been rather interesting. I bet. And I can't wait to dive into that journey. So you say life transformation specialist. Can you give us a little background on what that means? Yes. So you know how some people like to call themselves their life coaches. And when I was trying to find a name fitting for myself, I just realized that I never wanted to be called a coach. Um, You know, I felt that on this journey that women are on, they are truly going through a transformation. And so I I felt the transformation side of it really rang true to me. And when women are, it's like a butterfly that morphs, it, 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 um, it goes from being in its cocoon and then it transitions into a beautiful butterfly. Well, that's the same thing that's mm-hmm. happening with the women that I work with. And so it is about um, going deep below the surface and getting that the root cause of some of the challenges that they may be facing in their lives and discovering how they can start transforming them into start building their life that's filled with happiness. Um, We often have setbacks. We know setbacks happen. We know life consistently happens. But when you're equipped with the tools, you're able to, um, I like to say, roll with the punches when when life starts Mm -hmm. hitting you in the gut. And instead of you always falling down, you, you know, your hands hit the ground and you can lift yourself back up when you're going through your own personal transformation. Nice. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I, you know, is it safe to call you a light worker, bringing all this light, uh, lightness to uh, the darkness? Yeah, you, it's safe to call me a light worker. I've been called that as well. Um, I don't do dark. I, I, I really don't do dark. Right. Um, what, what I look at when with the women that I have actually encountered, the only time I actually see dark is the negative experiences that they've had in their childhood or in relationships that were unhealthy. Um, That's the only time I see the painful side of their experiences. And my goal is to get them to that lighter side where they can see that even though they have some challenges in their past, that is not their end all be all. Their life is something bigger and greater that's on the horizon for them. Beautiful. Uh, So Tina, you know, I noticed you left your corporate job. What was the catalyst? Like what was the event that led you say enough's enough and I'm ready to take this work on? You know, I, let's see, how do I phrase this? 
when I was working in corporate, I started working in corporate America actually at the age of 17. Um, I was an intern for Johnson and Johnson. And after I graduated high school, I stayed on and became a full-time employee. And so, you know, growing up in my age bracket, most people will say, well, your role is what your goal is to get a good job and you stay there. And, um, so I did, I stayed there for over 18 years. Um, I was a young mom. And so being in corporate was giving me the stability to be able to take care of my son as a single parent. But, you know, as time progressed and I moved throughout my career of uh, working at Black Enterprise Magazine and then going on to work on at the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, I had my awakening. I went through my own personal awakening, and that's when I was suffering from clinical depression. And I discovered that in the midst of the depression, I was an intuitive clairvoyant and something I was not even aware of. What it is, what do I do with it, and what does it mean for me? And so the depression was hard. It was a hard thing for me. And trying to bounce back from that made me realize that I was not the only woman who had experienced it, but it threw my life into like a tailspin. And so when I, um, after I came out of the depression and I discovered I had this gift and started working with women, you know, what I, what I thought was going to be where I retired, it all of a sudden shifted. And I realized that what made my heart sing, what really um, felt made me feel like I was giving back was being able to serve women. And so I struggled for, I struggled for about a good year before I made the decision to leave. Um, and I bounced back from depression, but what happened was it started returning. And I had a, I had a doctor's appointment and the doctor said, Ooh, I've seen this before. And she says, and we know how it ends. So you're going to have to make a decision of what you're going to do. And so I had to make a big decision. And literally, I woke up, I went on a trip. I, I was doing, I had my Oracle cards. I came back home. I had received a new deck. I opened the deck. I shuffled it. The first card that came up was leaving. The next morning, I called my boss and I told her, I think I need to resign. And I said, no, I know I need to resign. And when I come back to work, I'm going to have my resignation letter. Wow. wow. That is motivating and inspiring because um, I, I I believe that many of us uh, wake up every day wanting to do that exact same thing, you know, turn in your resignation or give you two week because we're burnt out, you know, Um I resonate with what you just said with the depression and all of those things. And we have conversations, um, you know, all the expats, because right now, currently I live in Thailand. And so whenever we meet new people who are traveling through or have just moved over here, we always ask, you know, what's your story and that, and that kind of thing. And um, we always end up talking about how peaceful and how we just don't feel that same sense of anxiety and or depression as we had in the States, you know? And, and that's so true. Cause when I, um, I, I handed in the resignation letter in May, <laughs> go figure. I handed it in May, but I didn't leave until December. So I did give myself a little wiggle room and I just didn't want to walk away because, you know, the person that I was supporting, she was amazing and she was supportive of me, which was a great thing. And so I said, okay, I'm, I'm handing in my letter. So I'm letting you know, so we can start planning someone to come and take my place. And, you know, the shift started taking, taking place. And, um, but I didn't leap officially until December, but when I handed in that resignation letter, it, this is my biggest analogy of it. This is the best way I know how to describe it. It felt like the straight jacket I was wearing started to unbuckle. Yeah. We know that feeling. <laughs> it felt like the straight jacket started. It felt like the white walls of my office were turning colors and it was like, a sigh of relief. And then when I walked out of the office on December 22nd, 2016, it was like a breath of fresh air. It was like, literally, I have a picture skipping out of the office building and like breathing. And, um, I, I feel that it was the best decision that I could have made for my well being. No, it was, I'm sure it was, you know, I think a lot of people are crippled by fear, right? Of if I leave this job, what's next? You know, um, everybody's sense of stability mm -hmm. looks very different. 
and the things that you think that you need, um, you know, primarily living abroad, you don't necessarily need as much, um, depending on where you are, but that's not your story. You are currently in the States. I'm currently in the States. And it's funny that you talk about the fear because when I was leaving the office, a lot of people kept saying, you're so brave. I'm like, brave for what? And I said, when it, I said, if I had to choose between my well-being and being here and knowing I was going to be sick, my well-being came first. And so a year later, I'm still waiting for the fear to kick in because fear has not kicked in. Um, does it have its challenges? Most definitely. And, and I did like some I did some crazy stuff. I mean, I leaped without a safety net. And when I leaped, I made the decision that I was going to pack up my home and relocate to another state. And but the universe responded. That was the best part. When I made the decision that I no longer wanted to stay in New Jersey, you know, the universe responded where I was able to find a home in Georgia. The universe responded where I didn't have to sell my home in New Jersey. Someone who I knew was going to rent it. And so the universe just responded to everything that I needed to happen because I put it out into the atmosphere without fear. It always does. It always does. And uh, I truly believe in it. And it's funny, before I, before I left D.C. to move abroad, I was at this crossroad where I was not sure. Right. I was starting to feel really like antsy and, and very impulsive and very much just unaware of what I should be doing at that point. And I was questioning all of my decisions. And I spoke to Francis and a couple of other people. And they told me, you know, I was looking for spiritual guidance. And um, I went and had my first oracle reading. I remember that. I gave you the name of the person to call. She gave me a recommendation and I went to see the woman. And it was life changing for me. So when you mentioned the oracle cards and your reading, you know, I was a skeptic at first, right? I was one of those people who was just like, oh, whatever, da-da-da. But I trusted in the the people that I, I went and asked. You get what I mean? I trusted in Francis's process because I was seeing her going through her journey. And I was just like, you know, I needed all of the help that I can get in the support. And when she gave me the name of the person, I went to somebody else also because I'm one of those people that crossed triple, triple checks and all of that stuff. And... um I went to another friend and she gave me the same name of the same person. And I said, that's it. (laughs) I got to go see this person. And uh, my Oracle reading really did uh, seal the deal for me. You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. So Tina, let me ask you a question. Um, so what do you think it takes? So you made this decision. You finally was like, I'm I'm leaving. What? Because I know a lot of people want to make this decision. What advice do you, do you have for folks who are, are really just fed up and done and ready for a new space, new environment, but just haven't done it yet? Because I've spoken to people and, you know, I was a disgruntled social worker. I, I, was totally burnt out. And one day I just quit with not much of a safety net, but you know, it all works out in the end. Um, but you know, what mentality or emotional state would it take for somebody to actually make that type of decision? First of all, don't leap the way I did, but, um, but you know, really you have to throw caution to the wind and ask yourself, is the fear that I'm experiencing, is it rational fear or is it irrational fear? Because we can always come up, create a story in our head of all the challenges that we're going to face. But guess what? You could probably face those same challenges if you stay in a place where you're uncomfortable. You know, I I love sharing with people, just imagine that you didn't walk away from your job. Imagine one day you woke up and they they called you in the HR and said, you know, know, your services are no longer needed. So then what do you do? You're going to walk out out of the building still distraught. But it's different if you sort of say, this is, I, I need change in my life and I want change in my life. And then you start positioning yourself in order for the change to happen. You need to start, you know, make sure you're doing the work to get to where you want to be versus saying, I need this. I need, I need to make sure I have more money. Well, how much is more money? 
because there's never that big grand number that of what we're going to have in our bank account. And then I think what the most important thing is, especially for, for you guys who have already stepped away, and I started doing it when I relocated. We, for those of us who live in the, the U.S., I can say, because that's basically what I know, we are attached to things. We're highly attached to things and we have so many things that we really, really do not need. And when you give yourself the permission to release your attachment to things, then you will find some of the happiness that you've been searching for. Because half of the things that you purchase, you purchase when you were unhappy. That's true. That's true. I mean, the process of really downsizing and getting rid of things was such a mentally exhausting process. Um, but it was also freeing once it was done. When I was in the midst of getting rid of my belongings, Lord knows I was just, I broke down in tears multiple times, you know, um, because I couldn't believe that I had so many things holding me down, you know, keeping me from being able to leave when I really wanted to, because I had to get rid of these things first, right? <laughs> A, B, the attachment I thought I had to these things, it, it, it really doesn't matter anymore. You know, when I'm here in Thailand, I don't buy anything really. I buy my essentials and that's it. I look at things and it's like, oh, that's pretty. Oh yeah, that would be nice. And I just keep walking because it, it, I don't need, you know, you realize all the things that you don't really need when you don't have all of those things holding you back anymore. Um, so tell us how you started working with women on basically on a journey from hurt, healing to happiness. Um, the, my business actually started as just my girlfriend's meeting in my house. And it was supposed to be a book club, but we never read the book for some reason. <laughs> the ladies always like, oh, anybody read the book? No. Um, but we always started talking about life and some of the challenges that we face as women. And of course, when I was going through my clinical depression and I started meditating, and one of the questions that Deepak Chopra asked was, who am I? And as I started analyzing, you know, aside from the labels of mom and daughter and bestie, you know, I had to explore deeper. Who am I? And that was one of the questions that I asked my, my ladies that I call my sister friends, my front row friends, you know, who am I? And they started telling me, you know, Tina, you're always somebody who we can come to and you're very candid and transparent with your answers. You don't sugarcoat it. You don't mince words. And you, you really give us some food for thought. And so I said, we see you as a coach or something. And I'm like, okay, interesting. And so as time progressed, I just started working towards my coaching certification. And I realized that I had to go in the direction of women. Um, coming from what I discovered at, when I realized I had this amazing gift was that my grandmothers worked with women. My grandmothers were always um, doing things that uplifted and empowered women. And so it was like almost a no-brainer for me that my, my demographic would definitely be women and not just African-American women, but women around the globe. It was always a vision of global touching women, of the healing that we need to do in the sisterhood that we need to create. Um, it, it's funny because some people think when I say sister friend that I'm meeting just, you know, African-American women. And I, I'm, I'm far from it because every woman that I meet, I consider them my sisters. And that probably stems from being an only child. So, you know, the work just slowly, it, I say it started to manifest itself um, in essence to the relationships that I started having and the engagements that I started having with different women, just like I, how I met you online, Nubia. And it just cultivated from there. Like there's no, there's no, it's very transparent of that. I'm supposed to be working with women. And even when I have them in circles or when I have them on my retreats, the, the, the building of the sisterhood to know that you're not the only woman who may have ex had a negative experience in their life, who may have struggled, who may have dealt with abuse or um, the lack of self-love or self-care, you realize that you you have someone that you have a support system outside of your everyday friends or your family. Yes, that is so true. And it's listening to you, I now know why the universe has 
crossed our paths. Um, you know, when I left the U.S., I looked at my relationships and I was just like, you know, they're very superficial in a lot of ways. And I was looking for that sisterhood, right? I'm an only child as well. I was looking for support team, you know, um, a group of people, not just women, but a group of people that are global as well. And that I felt like, I could, you know, relate to and talk to and learn from and grow with. And you came into my world in that way, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's so funny how the universe does provide what you, you're asking for. It, it, it really does. If some people, they don't think that it does. And I'm like, you know, you know, they say, be careful what you wish for. And I'm like, if you you ask for it and if you say, and I know it's going to happen, well, it's going to respond in one form or fashion and just be prepared for it. You know, we, we, we always ask for things to show up in our lives. And sometimes we say, but I know it's not going to happen. And so if you say, I know it's not going to happen, then why would the universe give you what you're asking for? If you start with, I want this, but I know it's not going to happen. And so literally, like I said, when I walked away from, from my job, I'm like, okay, universe, I'm gonna need you to line some things up for me because I, 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 I'm unsure of what I'm doing, but I'm making all these moves. And every time, you know, it was a domino effect. One thing happened, the next thing happened, and the next thing happened. I mean, every little thing lined up to get me into this space. And even walking away and being here, um, and the relationships that I've built, a lot of relationships online and like a lot of relationships internationally, which is always amazing to me. Like I'm having conversations with someone in Australia and if it were not for social media, I probably wouldn't. And what's always funny is someone says, I don't know what it is that's drawing me to you, but for some reason, I feel I need to talk to you. Or I need to be in your presence or, or whatever it is. And I'm like, it's just because I'm an empath and that's the energy that I put out. I was like, but you know, I'm here. And for some of us, it's hard to see someone as genuine and think they don't want anything in return. Most of the times we think like, okay, what does she want from me? Like if I send someone a message and say, how are you feeling? They're like, what, what, what happened? What did you feel? And I'm just like, I'm just asking, how are you feeling? Or if, um, you know, I extend it, you know, extend my hand to say, you know, I see you need help in here. And they're, they're, they're very cautious. And the reason why that caution takes place is because in the past, they've probably been burned by somebody. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that because I think that we've lost practice with intimacy with each other, even just as women. And I believe that retreats allow us to retrain those or reconnect with those practices. Uh, because I did a retreat myself um, maybe about two years ago, and that was part of the retreat, being comfortable with being intimate with your friends, your sisters, and you know all of that, whether it's verbal or touch. And, uh, you know, platonic touch, obviously. So you have five different retreats and events that you offer women. Could you speak more about them? So because the retreats that I do, um, they, they manifested out of me stepping away to take care of myself. Um, and what I find that often women don't feel like they're worthy of stepping away and turning everything off and taking care of their mind, body, and spirit. And when I realized that was something that helped me, that was an area of when I escaped to Anguilla, British West Indies, I realized that I needed to give women that same type of experience where they can, you know, get the one phone call whenever they get to their destination. And then afterwards, they can be present with themselves. They can focus on themselves and stop worrying about what's going on back where they live. And so I started doing my international retreats. Um, I started doing it first um, my first year because I was still trying to trying to feel it out if it was going to work. Um, I did it in Jamaica, and then I took the ladies to Turks and Caicos, and then finally, um, the universe must have wanted me to take them to Anguilla, my healing place, but I didn't want to take them there. <laughs> you know how you have something of your own? You're like, that's mine. Um, yeah. but one year, you know, the, 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 retreat didn't go as planned. It didn't have the, the right amount of attendees and we ended up in Anguilla and it worked out perfectly. And I said, okay, this is where the ladies need to go come for their healing. 
Um, and, you know, I take them on the beaches and, and have these phenomenal experiences of releasing, of releasing, you know, this journey that they've been on of releasing some of the emotional pain that has been weighing them down. Um, and so with that, you know, they're not carrying this baggage when they come back to the States. I often get phone calls of my husband or my mother or my children want to know what did you do to me while I was away because they see that I've made the transformation. Um, so actually this year is the first year we're really traveling far. Um, we're actually going to Bali for the retreat this year. This will be our first year because that is not actually in the Caribbean. And I made the decision to do that after my own personal experience of um, spending a week in Bali and the spirituality and the tranquility of being there. And I wanted the ladies to experience that as well. But I, I love that the ladies can step away from everything that's going on in their lives and not have to worry about being called mom or wife or having to make up their beds. It really is a time for them to be catered to. And to focus on themselves instead of the many hats that they wear. And breakthroughs happen. I mean, it's amazing because it's almost like they start from being an infant and they build themselves back up again. Wow, that's incredible. And I think that it is key to remove yourself from your environment because we often get so stuck in the way things are that we, you know, deep down, we just accept that this is the way it is. But once you remove yourself from that environment, you're able to gain that new perspective and have that breakthrough and have those transformations. And you can just never go back to the way it was. No. I, and I, and even when I talk to the ladies who now, they're like, oh, there's something different. And you, I says, what you've done is you've awakened a piece of you that has laid dormant for a while. And it just required you to pause for a moment so you can hear what was going on, I like to say, inside of your belly, inside of your gut, because your body's telling you what it needs. It, it's going to give you little signals along the way, and you can choose if you're going to respond or you're going to ignore it. And when you choose to ignore it, it's going to start giving you signals and it's going to get deeper and more painful until you really start responding to it and saying, OK, I need to take care of me. Um, I, I need to, you know, tell everyone I can't be superwoman and really go somewhere and take care of me. And I can't say that any of the retreats I've been doing in five years, that there has ever been a bad experience. That if someone has come home and said, I'll never do that again. Total, total opposite. I have one client who's gone every single year. And I'm like, you know, you can't go every year. You don't need to go. Now I said, you know, you don't need to go every year. She was like, no, this is my time. I always need to come and get a refresher. That's great because that's how you stay renewed, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because when I went to my first retreat, you know, I met people who, this is what they did on a regular basis, whether, you know, different kinds of retreats with different people. And I, and I feel that, you know, at least women of color, we don't do that enough. We don't give ourselves that permission. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't, you know, feel we're worthy enough of that experience. So I love that you're doing that. I don't think it's a priority for, for us. We, we, no, we make everything else a priority, but stepping away is not a major priority. And it, I always laugh when people's like, oh, I'm going to the spa. I'm like, okay, because that's really, it's, it, that's a temporary, that's a patch being put over a wound that needs to heal. And we know healing takes time. There's no quick fix. There's no microwave and you're going to stick it in there and oh, tomorrow I'm perfectly fine. No, you, you're, you're simply putting a wound, a, a bandaid over a wound that needs to be healed. And you need to get to the root of why you're facing this challenge in your life. And that's what a lot of what the ladies talk about. When they talk about me, they're like, look, if you're not ready to dive deep, don't go there yet. <laughs> because Tina's going to make you go deep. You're going you're, you're to come home. You're going to have some roots somewhere. But it, it's, it's important that we do that for ourselves. And I think especially when it comes to I, I'm I'm a mom of an adult child and for many people, their children come first. They'll do everything and anything from their, for their children. And because I was there and I know about this, but at what point do you do for yourself? And it's a learned behavior because of when my mom grew up and grew up and my grandmother, you know, when I'm having these conversations, I, I ask women a simple question. 
Were you ever taught or told to take care of yourself? Or were you always told or shown how to take care of other people? And for the most part, everyone was taught or shown how to take care of other people, how to take care of their children. But not once was it mentioned of how to take care of yourself. What did you need to do to fill your your own tank up? You were told to be just taking care of your family. No, that's so true. That's so true. And, you know, Francis and I both are mothers um, of young adults. And it, it comes to a point where, well, for me, I felt like, was I being selfish, right? Making these decisions for myself, not knowing if they would be the best decisions for my children. But I had to get to a point where I had to realize my children were no longer babies, right? They're young adults, Um and they needed to live their life. And in order for me to do anything in this world, I needed to take care of myself. Um, so I totally agree with you on that one. And we talked a little bit um, about this uh, before. So if you're willing to tap into it, I would love for you to. You, Your son has Asperger's, correct? Correct. Being a mother of a child with um, a disability, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of mothers make you know, so many um, reasons why they can't do stuff. A lot of it, again, has to do with our children. Another part has to do with money. But then when you have a child that has a little bit more um, attention, that needs a little bit more attention from you, it really does take away from your mental ability to, to get things done because you have so much on your plate, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting, I like to say lessons from my son because my son taught me a a big lesson. Um, Number one, I started traveling at the age of 23 and I can't remember how old my son was. He probably was like four. He had a passport at three or four. So he would travel with me when I would travel, when I would go different places. He was always there, seat right next to me. And so as he got older and once he could make the decision that he never wanted to travel with me anymore, (laughs) you know, he taught me that I don't, I don't need to go with you. And I'm just like, oh, okay. And a part of my reason for escaping, because I would typically do two trips a year, one with him and one without him. And people would always say, well, you're always gone. And I was like, yeah, there's a reason behind that. Because sometimes I need my own sanity and I need to not have to be mom all the time of making sure he, he does certain tasks that may be simplistic to me, but for him, it's complicated. But my big awakening for him, probably when he was in his mid-20s, um, my mom had gotten sick and I needed to um, come down to Georgia to take care of her for a month. And so I gave him the option, do you want to stay at home or do you want to come with me? And he said, I'm going to stay home. I said, okay. So what was great is I had a support system. I had my neighbor who had a key to my home, um, his godmother who didn't live far away, his aunts and uncles who didn't live to live one state over, but it was, they were still close enough. And so I had a support system for him while I stepped away. And I would call and check. And every time I call and check, he's like, can you call me back? I'm watching TV or can you call me back? I'm getting ready to go skateboarding. And so... When his godmother would call, she says, I called Devin. He told me he went grocery shopping. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And so he told, he showed me that he could be self-sufficient as long as I paid the household bills. So that was the first lesson I learned from him. Just really realizing that he, what he is capable of, but I wasn't allowing him to utilize those skills because I was always in the house and it was easier for me to do it. Mm. So... The second time I got the lesson was again this year. Now, now my son is in his, he's 30. Um, he doesn't have as much need as some, he, he's really high functioning. He works, he knows how to cook, he knows how to clean, he knows how to, you know, he learned how to catch the, the, the bus and the train quicker than I could. Um, so he's high functioning. And so when I, I spent a month last year in Anguilla, British West Indies, and I'm, I'm in a new state, so I really don't have those close um, support systems as I had before. Um, but he was fine. And in the same process, I called and checked. He's like, um, I'm asleep. Um, I'm skateboarding. And so he was OK because he 
he helped me help him by showing me what he was capable of doing. Also by me helping him and making sure he knew how to do certain things in his life. Do I think I could leave the country and know that he is still here? I, I don't think I would feel comfortable enough. I would really have to have a, a stronger support system in place in order for me to do that. And he keeps giving me the side eye when I talk about moving to Bali. So I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> that's great. So, and, and I totally relate because when I made my official move to Thailand and I had to drop my son off at his apartment in Florida so he could start school, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, did I teach him everything? Does he know how to do this? Does he? I mean, I'm just like, you know, you sometimes just need to let go and give them the space and room to have those experiences. And, you know, you're, you're there. You're there. You're watching. You're aware. Just let them, you know, go through those growing um, pains or experiences. I, ho- I wholeheartedly agree. And I am, you know, this year... Um, in a couple of months, I'm going to spend a month in Bali, and that's going to be further away um, than Anguilla is. And, um, you know, we're going to see how it goes. I'm, I'm putting everything in place as I did before, but a little bit tighter this time. Um, and but I, this is one thing, and I'm quite sure the rest of the both of you will relate to this and probably our listeners, too. I feel that because I was a mom at 19 I stayed committed to my son and I didn't get my college degree until I was 40 because I couldn't manage being in school and taking care of a child who had um, Asperger's. So he came first, but as he got older and as he got out of school and as he started working, And one of my other wake up calls when I made the decision to leave corporate was this is my time. This is my time. You know, I'm always going to be a mom, but I did everything in my power to make sure that he had a good life. And now this is my time. And that's what I I say all the time. I feel like the straitjacket has come off. I feel like I can breathe. And this is my time. Yes, I can personally resonate with that. Um, I was a mom early on and I did not get my degree until I was 38, no, 39. <laughs> so um, our stories are very similar and parallel in that respect. So let's let's talk about Bali. Mm. Why Bali? <laughs> well, Anna Willa didn't seem to make it work for me. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know really where I want to live. Um, I wanted to live in Anguilla, but I realized that I could only live there for a short period of time. Um, because you know, this, the the smallness of the Island, which is what I love, but, um, there would be some challenges in regards to, you know, managing my business as well as, um, you know, doing business on the Island. And so when I thought about Bali, it was just something, I guess it goes with the spiritual energy that I feel. And I love like just following, you know, because you've been there, following the, following the people around as they um, honor the Ganesh. And the energy is just so peaceful and serene to me. And... Um, I really didn't dive deep into it because I was only there for a week, which is why I'm staying for a month just to go around just to see what the experience is like. Because we know vacationing somewhere and living somewhere are two totally different experiences, which is why I want to stay there for an extended period just to see if this is something I really, really want. I don't want to lay roots somewhere and then realize a week later I need to go home. So the best way for me to do it is to experience it a month at a time, you know, go there, experience it and go a month at a time. So who knows next year, it may be be Thailand, Um, (laughs) but that's the route that I'm taking to do it. But if it feeds my soul, that's the place for me. Understood. Understood. And, you know, I just, I just got back from Bali for a month in Bali. So that's, you know, my experience was a little bit different um, from when you were there for the week. And I know we, we talked about that briefly. So I'm very excited to see how 
your journey pans out for the month that you're there. Um, and Goyle is also one of the most, when I, when I'm asked like my top three places, most times I talk about the Shoals Bay in Anguilla. So for any listener who has not been to Anguilla, make sure to go <laughs> to no, Shoals Bay. Go to Shoals Bay. Show Bay East. Show Bay East is very, is a very spiritual beach. Um, I was doing a little bit of research on it because I kept feeling the presence of certain in- mm-hmm. along a certain when you're walking down the beach. Um, there's an area that when the hurricane hit a couple of years ago, I don't know about seven years ago. It, the, the water erupted over to the beach, but um, before you could walk all the way around the bend. And so when I get, always get to the bend, for some reason, it's like a big breeze comes, like the energy of whatever was there, whatever happened there, it comes and it like overwhelms me and engulfs me. And so I'm like every single time I experience it. So that's even my my adopted family they know that's my beach. <laughs> if, if I'm if they're looking for yeah. me, I'm on that beach. But it's it's a it's place amazing. To visit. It's a beautiful place to visit. It is. It is. It's one of the most pristine beaches I've seen in quite a long time. Um, so I always tell people make sure to check it out. Um, and it doesn't hurt that Saint Martin is only a small ferry ride away. Mm-hmm. And um, I love Saint Martin. It's just it's it's a great place. I actually considered going back there to check it out for a while because um, I had such a great time when I was there. Yeah. I I, I, I go through St. Martin. <laughs> I just, I stayed there like a couple of times, but I still end up in Anguilla. Um, I, I guess I'm because I'm, I was at a place where I needed the serenity and St. Martin still seemed mm-hmm. the busy, busyness for me, which is strange because people are like, well, Bali's busy as well. I know, but behind the compound, it isn't busy. <laughs> behind the compounds of where we stay, it, it isn't busy to me. So I like that. I'm also curious to see what your experience is like, because I also I spent three weeks on uh, in Bali, traveling from Bali and then also to Gil- Gilimino. And when I went, I went for a spiritual purpose. Uh, I went and met with uh, four Balinese healers actually there. And uh, it was an incredible experience for me. So it's interesting because uh, Nubia has a completely different experience. I felt the spiritual energy the minute I sat, you know, stood in Bali. Um, and that's why I went back to do uh, the spiritual healing that I was uh, focused on doing at the time. Uh, so it's it's quite interesting. I may have to join you in April just to see if my experience will be a little bit different. But, you know, again, I think your experience will also reflect um, where you are in that in that space. You know, my energy was a little shaken, you know, due to a bunch of different events that was going on at the same time. And I just needed to align myself and I couldn't do that where I was. So it would be interesting if I decide to go back to Indonesia and do it in a different manner, you know. And I'm doing it a little bit different because I'm staying so long and I, I was not, I didn't look at the map when I was reserving our homes because I'm literally staying in four different homes. And um, so the first portion of the trip, we're actually going to be in Kuda, which is where I hear is the party place and not what I wanted. Um but the ladies were okay with making that adjust of staying there and just us going into Ubud whenever we needed to. And I'm like, okay, but I'm preparing you for what's going to happen. But what's fortunate is my last two weeks there, I am going to be back in Ubud. Um, and staying in a property where I stayed before um, because I, I needed to make sure my, my level of comfort wasn't compromised. And in order for that to happen, I needed to go where there were people that I already knew who were already familiar with me. And um, so I, I just went back to where what my love, my comfort zone. But what's great is he always took us everywhere we wanted to go. So my experience is probably going to be different again because I'm adventurous, but I'm not that adventurous. <laughs> so uh, how many countries have you visited, actually? Ooh, holy Hannah. Let's see. A lot of it has been the Caribbean. Um, you know, I've done Dominican Republic. I've done Mexico. Um, last, last two years ago, I did Morocco. Morocco was interesting. Um, and, and Bali and that's it. Okay, great. And 
So we usually, so now we're, we're moving on to the fun round. So we have a fun round of questions that we like to ask okay, our guests. Let's see. <laughs> so typically we, um, we, we ask our guests to lean into their edge just a little bit when we ask the fun questions. Um, and we do the same, you know, Nubia asked me the fun questions and it wasn't so fun when I was in the hot seat, but it's all, all in good fun. Um, so fun question number one, when you, can you tell us like one funny travel story that you realize, oh, I'm not in America and this is just not going to fly? I, I don't know if it was funny. Um, <laughs> like it wasn't funny. Not at the time, right? It, Not was, at the it time wasn't. Was there funny. was. I'm still trying to figure out what's funny. It's. We were. I was in the Medina in Morocco, and I see the people walk. I see men walking, and I see, I see a a, a blanket, like um. I don't mean it, it was like a furry little blanket, and all of a sudden I'm seeing something jiggling under the blanket, and I'm looking like, what is that? And then as I'm looking and I see that the way they were praying and then someone says, oh, someone died. And I'm like, and you are carrying him through the Medina like that. And I'm like, "Okay, that's kind of interesting. And then, you know, where I was purchasing some products from, they they explained to me some of the process. But I'm just sitting here like, I don't want y'all traipsing my body through the Medina. (laughs) Just put me in the ground and bury me or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was different. It was really different. I was in awe. And then my empath side kicked in, so it was even worse. So what was what was wiggling? It was a dead body. But the dead body was wiggling? It was well, they were it wasn't moving on its own. It was the men carrying Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. I was like, wait a minute. Holy smokes. <laughs> there was another situation. Got it. Got it. I get it. I get it. So um, your intentions at some point was to move abroad or is to look to potentially move abroad. Is that correct? Okay. So where in the world, I know you right now are looking at Indonesia, so Southeast Asia. Um, And one of the things that we talk about all the time or when people visit is how is the dating life? So <laughs> non-existent. We get that question all the time. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. We're like live here and you know it's non-existent. <laughs> so how do you how do you see yourself dealing with that situation if you decide to move to Southeast oh, Asia? Easy. That's not an issue. You know, I, I think that I'm at a point in my life. I mean, I've dated enough. I, I got it covered. Um and right now I'm not in a relationship and I look at it this way. If I were in a relationship, it's only going to impede my progress. And I'm at a moment where I want to be selfish and I need to, or self-full, I need to fill up my own tank. And typically if I meet someone, I make them fully aware, don't fall in love with me because I'm going to be leaving the country and I'm quite sure you're not coming. Um, I mean, I, I, <laughs> that's, that's real talk. That's I, I'm, real talk. I'm real talk. I'm, I'm real. I'm quite sure you're not coming. So don't fall in love with me. Um, and I'm, I'm lovable. And as far as what happens, you know, afterwards, if I meet somebody abroad or whatever, I'll cross that path when I get to it. I'm not going to sit here and focus on it because I got some stuff to do and I don't want anything to block what what I'm what the journey that I'm supposed to be on. Plain and simple. I, 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 like I said, I've done everything I needed to do for my son. That was my, that was his time. This is my time. I get it. I totally get it. So Tina, it was awesome having you on the show. Can you please tell our listeners about your upcoming retreat? Um, any projects that you're working on that you would like for people to tap into? Because we will make sure all of your contact information is in our show notes. Um, but give us a little bit about what Tina is doing now. So what's coming up now is, um, of course, I have my retreat in Bali in April and then my retreat in Anguilla, British West Indies in May. Um, I've, over the years, um, I realized that I need to give a healthy balance. So 
I do one fun retreat, one work retreat. And the women decide which one they want to attend. And that's going to happen every single year. So all you have to do is be on the lookout um, of my website, tinacheinz.com, and you'll see when the retreats come around. Um, and I'm often doing some workshops um, that um, I just invite women to, who are going on a journey of healing. And if they need to overcome self-defeating behaviors or say yes to their healing, I'm doing those workshops that they come up every uh, once a quarter. They I have those come. And then also every month I do an Oracle card reading gallery. And that's where five women are gathered on Zoom. And I do readings for them and sometimes messages from their loved ones who passed on um, come through. And it's a time when they can receive some clarity, some confirmation, and also some answers to where they may feel stuck. Um, and for now, that's about it that's going on in Tina C. High's life. And also every Sunday at 8 a.m. Eastern, I host what we call Intimate Conversations. And it's a, a space that I created for women from around the globe to just join us and discuss various topics that we deal with as women. I love that. Yeah. And that can be found where on Facebook, correct? That can be found on Facebook under Tina C. Hines Life Transformation Specialist, as well as on my website, tinacheinz.com. Nice. So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. So, Tina, if you could just say one thing to someone who's looking to do the same thing, but is just hesitant or they've been talking about it for years, what would you say to them? Life is too short. And I know people like to say you only live once, but that's false. You only die once. So why not live the, the best life you possibly can? Tomorrow is not promised. So don't worry about what can happen and start making things happen. Beautiful. I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's we totally to start appreciate the you. Wow. <laughs> that was deep. Thank you so much, Tina. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to seeing you hopefully on this side of the world. And Absolutely. we have a dinner date uh, for wherever we will be, wherever yes, we shall be. <laughs> <laughs> so have a blessed day and we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com, for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.